The Baptist and the Buddhist, identical twin brothers with two vastly different faiths. Join them as they explore their respective religions and how they differ and how they relate. Same DNA, different religions. Hey everybody, welcome to The Baptist and the Buddhist with Mark and Brian. And we are on season two, episode six, I do believe. Um, can't believe we're I don't believe that <laughs> this far into season two already. Um, man, last episode was a whirlwind. Um, no pun intended. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> that was a really far stretch, <laughs> and we just couldn't stop there, so we had to go on. We have to have a part two, basically, but it's going to get it a is pretty more much part two in detail. Um, thank you all. F- for those that have reached out to us, I have a couple comments that fit perfectly in this episode, um, so it's going to be great. Um, but w- with through those channels of communication that are being communicated to us, you can do the same too. Uh, make sure to hit us up. Instagram, we almost have 100 followers already. It's up to like 94, 95-ish. So wow. thank you guys for following us on Instagram. I don't know what you're thinking there, but hit us up on the rest of the places too, like the places where you can actually find our audio and videos. <laughs> uh, you can hit us up at YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. We're on the Twitter. Twitter. You can find us on like TikTok and Reddit, but you can find us everywhere. There's YouTube. There's not much going on there I already yet. said YouTube. Um but definitely uh, all the podcast apps out there as well. Um, find us there. Give us a And you can also review. email. Yeah. Baptistandbuddhist at gmail.com. Yeah, exactly. Baptistandbuddhist at gmail.com. Give us reviews, good or bad. We don't really care. We want to know what you guys think, first of all. So, <clears throat> I mean, we've had... They spend too much time talking. I don't know. Like It's a podcast. Oh, yeah. What do you expect? Juggling? Well, now that you mention it. <laughs> Contact juggling. There we go. I forgot. <laughs> I maybe I think that was just subliminally in my mind. Like, oh, yeah, he was contact juggling before the show started. So, <laughs> uh, Never during the show. We don't want it to be that fun. No, definitely not. We want to be serious. So serious. Yeah. So um, we're going to, last time we kind of started almost backwards of what I wanted to do, but like it worked really well. Um, Last time we talked about all the fun UFO and ghosts, aliens and supernatural stuff. And there's just so much that you can pack into that topic. And for me, on my side at least, it kind of overflows to this topic, which would be more of an introductory topic to the topic. <laughs> Do you know what topic? <laughs> um, we're talking about the the spiritual realm, and realm. yes, the spiritual realm and uh, or the angelic realm or whatever you want to call it, the, that spiritual realm, whatever that looks like, and we're going to talk about that. It's, this is going to be a fascinating episode because there are going to be so, so many diametrically opposed views <laughs> in this episode. I mean, I guess that, that goes to say 
you know, that's how most of the podcast goes. But yeah, I mean, we could. How about we debate? Just kidding. We don't. We don't want to make this a debate, guys. We do a discussion, which probably makes you more bored than you should be. But um, that's what yeah. it is. We're not gonna. We're not gonna debate it. Maybe one we day we would get so many more views if we debated. <laughs> Let's have like really weird like screen names, and then like we could start yelling. <laughs> I'll be like Nephilim Funk or something like that. Like, <laughs> just sounds you... like something that would be on like modern day debate or something. <laughs> there is there is a Nephilim guy. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> no shade, no shade thrown to no, Nephilim. Definitely not. Come on our podcast. We'd love to have you. Baptismbuddhist at gmail.com. So, um, <laughs> good or bad reviews. <laughs> yeah. We also take good or bad fan mail as well, or not fan mail, non fan mail. Um, Whatever the opposite mail, of that's fan what it's is. It's hate yeah. mail. That's what it is. They're haters. So, like, I wanted to start this topic off, like, I don't know if I should start with with the spiritual realm or go right into like the angelic beings of the realm. I guess I'll start with the realm because that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, but a yeah. lot of it's going to focus on who's in that realm and what's happening. Um, and a lot of descriptions and stuff too. So when we talk about the spiritual realm in Christianity, according to the Bible, um, from my from my perspective, from my paradigm, that spiritual realm is a very real realm. It's it can be tactile, it can be seen, it can be experienced, uh, and it can be uh, it, it's a place you can be in. Um, but according to the Bible, and I'm not going to do a ton of like digging into the Bible and uh, like referring because I have a a ton of notes on this topic and I'm going to try really hard to slim it all down. But um, uh, in the Bible, you see that the spiritual realm is one that can be hidden from humans, from our eyes, and it can be revealed to our eyes as well. Um, And, and it can, it can be visited by the by mankind or at least seen by mankind um and we went through when we looked at cosmology we saw that there was the uh the third heaven which is like the realm that god dwells in and it's a real place outside of the universe outside of this if if the if the universe was a bubble it's like outside of the bubble and like very real there's an actual uh, there's an actual border. There's something in between the second heaven, the universe, and the third heaven, the universe. But there's also a, a, almost a dimensional aspect of being able to go in between heavens and exist on the same plane, but in a different dimension almost. And there's a there's a a, a Bible verse that talks about. It, it lists four dimensions and I that kind of clues me into like the extra dimensional quality of 
the heavenly realm or the spiritual realm, if you will. Um, I don't see it as some esoteric, like there are just glowing beings floating around like aimlessly that, uh, that you can't really comprehend. The Bible says that things in heaven are a shadow of things on earth. Um, you can, it says you can understand the, the heavenly things by what you can see. Um, so if I cast my shadow, I, I can understand the shape of my hand on a two-dimensional plane. I can understand that my fingers move. I can even sometimes sense a depth with my shadow. Like, oh yeah, that's closer, that's further. So I can understand my hand is there, but when I actually look at my hand, it's so much more real and there's so much more detail than the shadow has ever shown me before. And that's because I can see it in three dimensions. So I kind of attribute that quality to this this heavenly realm. Um, and there are things that we would recognize. You know, there's... I'll, I'll list off some things that the Bible mentions. And we should be able to recognize them if we were to be transported to... Um, the third heaven right now, we would be able to see what, like, oh yeah, that's a that's a mountain, that's a building. It's not going to be like some weird thing, like, oh, I've never seen this before. Uh, but maybe in so much more detail, or in a way that we've never experienced it before, m- much a much more pure sense of reality and of existence. And I think what we are experiencing in a three-dimensional world limited to what mankind can experience it's it's that much more real um, it's it's much more real than what we're experiencing now so um i mean what else can i say about this that is not going to take hours <laughs> um well i'm gonna I, let's let's i'm gonna jump into the angels because the bible talks about like this heavenly realm sure um but what do we who, who's there now um we see there are these angelic beings and i'm going to use the word angels as an umbrella term even though there are sp- more specifics and i'll get into it a little bit more but these angels the angelic beings dwell in this heavenly dimension if you will and they uh they're well let me let me start with some misconceptions of angels because you know you say angels and people always say oh yeah exactly wings white robes halos usually white blonde curly haired yeah, and yep. sometimes babies too. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So misconceptions of angels. I wrote the uh, the these notes I've had for years, um, and I've you know added things here and there over the years. But um, common miscon- misconceptions of angels they have halos. I mean, there's probably not a ring of metal floating above their heads. <laughs> um, they're actually the Bible <laughs> describes them their skin as glowing embers going back and forth through their skin. It's almost like looking at a burning log and seeing the the energy of the flame and heat going through it. That's what I imagine. Like so it's like kind of like a heat coursing or a fire coursing through their skin. Um some of the uh, the angelic beings are described that way. Um 
Another misconception is that they're cute little babies. Maybe they shoot arrows. They might have bows and arrows. Uh, we know they have swords, but they're definitely not cute little babies. Um, that, those would be terrifying babies. Um, <laughs> angels have wings. Well, some angelic beings do, and we'll get into that. But most angels, like the lower echelon of angels, do not have wings. Um, some people describe angels as women. We never see evidence that there are women angels, and the Bible actually says that they there are there's no marriage in heaven um, regarding like the the angelic beings, and maybe that's maybe that has something to do with that. But we never see evidence that there are like quote unquote female angels, um, and I'll get into that a little bit more. A misconception is that angels are always good. We've seen in the last season and a half that I've always mentioned some fallen angels of some sort. Um, Lucifer. Um, misconceptions. This one, I've been confronted with people like they just, you know, they're just talking. It's not confrontation. They're just talking. And somehow they think this is what the Bible talks about is that a good person becomes an angel when they die. No, that's not right. Um, and also a misconception Though it could be applicable in other ages, but they are watching over and protecting me. Yes and no. And we'll get into that a little bit more. I have a whole history of angels. Um, they were, they were, uh, we know they were there when God formed the earth because they celebrated and cheered. Um, they rejoiced at the, the formation of the earth, the creation of the earth. So we know Genesis 1-1 talks about in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, but we know the angels were existing before the earth was made sometime. Um, the morning stars were there when he laid the foundation of the earth. That's Job 38. Um, let's see, I'm going to skip a bunch of these notes. <laughs> we know they were judged at one point in history because of Lucifer's rebellion. Um man there's so much we could talk about um in that in lucifer's plan we talked about that previously um he rebelled against god he pitted his will against god's will and um yeah here's one thing about that heavenly realm it's uh, like i said it's it's real it's uh it's not just like people like these angels floating around. They actually have like specific purposes. They're doing things. They have like specific duties and jobs. And there are, there's a government in the heavenly realm. There's principalities, powers, mights, dominions, thrones, not only on earth, but in the heavenly realm as well. So we see, we see there, there's some kind of like, I don't know if I want to say hierarchy, We'll see some of that, but there are definitely different rules. You'll different uh, ru rulers or different positions over certain things, um, and you'll see. We'll see some of this uh, in what's what's mainly described as like princes. Like we we know Satan is the prince of the power of the air, the prince of the world. This world, uh, he's he has dominion in some form or fashion over the the air so like the second heavens and the the air of the earth and the world itself the world 
the Bible usually talks about worlds as being the, the system that's on the earth. So whether it be an angelic world on the earth, like in the like in times past, uh, or a, a humanly world on the earth now, and there's going to be a new world on the earth in the future. Um, but so there's all these different levels and complexity to this government of the heavenly realm. Um, and obviously there, there's, there's, uh, angelic wills being pitted against God's will. And so there's a conflict. Um, uh, there's been a conflict and there probably is a conflict still between angels and, um, and the good and the bad, if you will. Uh, at one point, I've heard this I've heard this uh, be described when hell was created uh, he created God created hell the Bible says it was created for the devil and his angels so the uh, it was specifically created purpose for Satan and his angels um, maybe that stopped the rebellion in its tracks and that's why there are there might not be any more rebellion going on. Um, who knows? But that uh, so there's definitely a good and a bad to this heavenly realm now. Uh, so we see the we see the angels. We might have an idea of when they were made, um, and the rebellion and everything. Um, uh, who are the angels? As we've seen, they are created beings by God. So God created them. They, he calls them the sons of God. And the Bible, whenever it talks about a son of God, it's really direct. It's really uh, describing a direct creation from God. So the angels, Jesus Christ himself, uh, the nation Israel as is his chosen nation, is described as being a son of God and the body of Christ, the church in this age is described as being the son of God. Um, so like direct creations out of his will, basically. So is there a number of angels in the Bible? Dan, uh, I think the book of Daniel gives us like a hundred million, but the Bible also says, oh, and that was just at one point in one location, a hundred million angels, but there's, the Bible says that they're innumerable. There's so many that you can't put a real number on it because there are so many out there. Um, and let's see here. So in this heavenly realm, we see these angelic beings. We see things that are recognizable in heaven. We see windows and doors and horses and chariots. But how are the angels described? Um, we we know that they probably can eat because we see reference about angels' food in like the book of Psal the Psalms. Cake. It's cake, right? Yeah, angel food cake. Exactly. Um, which, I mean, I think when it refers to angel food in one spot, it's referring to the manna from heaven, which has a very disturbing... Um, origin if you look into it it's actually one of the the heads of the one of the seven heads of the dragon that's broken that's smitten and it, it's broken for food for israel in in the tribulation at least so we kind of can refer that back oh that 
that manna from heaven came from one of the seven heads of the beast or of the dragon um, in in the heavenlies that was smitten and it was broken down and that would come uh, that would be like a daily sustenance for Israel in the wilderness but I digress um, <laughs> we see the angels being described a lot as flaming fire or even um, ministers of flaming fire uh, they're always described as having light or even lightning in some cases. Um, they're usually, we can, we can safely assume that if you're confronted with one, you're going to be kind of scared, frightened. And most of the time when they show up to someone, they say, fear not. It's like, well, hold on a second. Fear be not don't, afraid. Don't, don't worry. Yeah. Be not afraid. Um, what do they look like? Why are they so scary? Well, in some, in a lot of cases, in in biblical accounts, they appear just as a man would. Um, they, uh, they're, they they probably don't have flesh and bones like humans do, and the Bible says that they're they're spirits, um, but they can take physical manifestation. We see in in Old Testament accounts that uh, angels would appear to certain people and they would it, they would describe them as men but we know they're angels from the text um and whenever the angels do appear as like a humanoid or a man like a human figure it's always described as a man um, they are described as like the man of god men in white apparel so maybe the white robes aren't a, a miss uh maybe it's not such a Mis, uh, misconception. Um, a lot of times you'll see angelic beings or um, or stuff like that wearing like linen robes, like white linen robes. Um, sometimes they're described as having shining garments. Um, I I do remember uh, when when uh, Moses came down from the mountain with the tablets, his his face shined like an angel. It's like oh okay. So, like, maybe they have a shining appearance to them. Uh, Once it was described as a young man with long white garments. Um, In Revelation, it kind of gives you a a size, like, what their relative size is. And it's basically, like, the size of a man. Um, And even in uh, the Tribulation, uh, the book of Hebrews describes them as being strangers, angels unaware. Like... You won't really be able to know if they're an angel or not um, in some cases. Uh, and even even Gabriel, the one of the archangels, is described as the man Gabriel. Um, so uh, there's always these there's always that uh, that that man quality that man like quality to them and then in in Matthew it talks about there being no marriage in heaven and basically talking about like we can kind of refer uh that there's no like procreation in heaven and we'll get into that a little bit but um they're all we assume that they're all male like or male like the a male um so in a lot of passages, we see them. We we see horses and chariots. Uh, I believe when they appeared on 
on the mountainside in, I think it was like in one of the books of the Kings or something that, uh, they had horses and chariots. So it's, they have tools and they have animals, even heavenly animals as well, which is an interesting topic. We'll, we'll do an episode on animals one of these days. Yeah. I mean, angel horses and now, and then dragons earlier, like, yeah. And there, I mean, we know, we can know who that dragon is too. Um, but, uh, they, they, uh, I'm going to get into some of the classifications of angels really quick. We know they have personalities. Uh, they, they, they don't have, I don't think they would have the qualities of a man as in our soul in the way we think and our emotion and everything. But we know that angels have a will because Lucifer pitted his will against them. We know that they have desires and lusts. They have a mind to think. And they even have emotion because uh, Satan has wrath. He has emotion um, against against God. Really, um, that's what where his wrath is. But but they also have power. They uh, Peter tells us that they're greater in power, um, and that the angels don't rail against Christ, and th- they have some kind of authority. But uh, and you even see Jesus was made lower than the angels. So there's, there's kind of, there's kind of like a power hierarchy, like, okay, there's man, there's Jesus, there's like Jesus, the man, there's angels. And then obviously there would be uh, God and Jesus, the man didn't have the abilities or the nature of angels, but he did have the nature of God still. And that, that's that great, uh, that great strange relationship of the, Fully man and fully God. Um, man, where, where else can I go with this? Uh, we even see... Classifications of angels? Yeah, yep. That, that's where I'm going next. But also in uh, regarding their power, um, you see like one angel at one point kills 185,000 people. Um, and like he probably didn't even have to wipe sweat off his brow. Um, and it, it, even in Revelation, an, it, you see one angel standing in the sun like... It doesn't affect them at all. So some have powers over certain things. Some have powers over regions, and we'll look at that a little bit. Classifications of angels. Um, there's a lot of different classifications. The most famous ones are the cherubim. Those are the floating babies. Just kidding. They are four-faced <laughs> beasts that would probably give you nightmares. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, the first cherub you see in the Bible is when... Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. They came down with a flaming sword, and mm-hmm. there were uh, cherubim on each side. Cherubim means cherubs. M is uh, the plural in a Hebrew sense. Um, so cherubim, cherub, or cherubs, same thing. Um, uh, cherubim are just re- a really interesting topic when you look at um, when when Israel was commanded to make the Ark of the Covenant. They were to put two cherubim on each side. And I've seen recreations of the Ark of the Covenant. I've even seen the recreation that Israel, the Temple Institute in Israel, would use if the temple would be um, set up again. They have the Ark of the Covenant. I don't think it's biblically accurate because it was just like two angels with wings and not actual cherubim. But I've seen also other uh 
iterations and representations with cherubim with the four faces on it and everything. So, um, and they, on the Ark of the Covenant, there were the two cherubim that would sit on each side of where the glory of God would dwell in within the Holy of Holies. And in, in the heavenly realm, you see there are four cherubim standing around the throne of God and they have their wings outstretched. And at one point, uh, Lucifer was the cherub that covereth. He covered the top. Hmm. Um, I think maybe, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, but cherubim might, or cherub might be mean to guard. I'm not sure exactly on that, but um, you also see, we talked about last time the UFO, you see them acting as kind of like the transportation of God as well. Um, there's one interesting thing, like what does a cherub look like? Because in some passages, it talks about the face of a cherub. So cherubim have a face of a man, a lion, an eagle, and a bull or a calf. Um, but other passages says man, lion, eagle, and a cherub, the face of a cherub. It's like, okay, like, does that mean cherub alone looks like has the face of a calf, like a bull? And when you look into that, it's really interesting because you'll see um, even they, they're described as having the feet of a calf, the feet of calf, um, the cherub are, the cherubim are described that way. Um, and when you look at that, uh, the quality of having the face of a calf, you see references to calves and bulls, like when Israel made a golden calf while Moses was on the Mount. Oh, why would they do that? And it's like, Oh, Oh, this thing just popped out of the fire. Like, I think they were just playing dumb. Like, Oh yeah, we built it. Sorry, Moses. Uh, oh, we tr it just came out of the fire for some reason. Um, how strange. But, I mean, you would, like, where did they get that idea of a calf? Um, it might have something to do with Lucifer because he was a cherub, or he is a cherub. And what would his face look like? Maybe it was that of a calf. Um, I mean, you even see references to angelic beings called the bulls of Bashan or, or Bashan, however you want to pronounce it. Um, and prophetically, they were basically railing against the Messiah when he was on the cross, um, the bulls of Bashan on every side of him. Um, so there might be something to that. Um, maybe I'm, maybe not, but it, it's interesting to see that represented as a calf. Um, and you see, you know, there's, there are, it sounds like there are classifications of like a high cherub as Lucifer would be uh, described as the covering cherub. You also see the seraphim, which you usually don't, you don't see a whole lot of reference to them. They're, they're in Isaiah and in Revelation. They have six wings. Um, I think these are the ones that are, um, that are, uh, well, I don't remember exactly what they were doing around the throne. I would have to look into that a little more. But there's another, there, there's that other classification of seraphim versus cherubim. Um, and I think, as we see, those are like the two highest ranking order of the angelic realm, the angelic beings. You see archangels as well. You, we have two named archangels in the Bible, and that's Michael. 
He's usually described as uh, as the warrior uh, archangel, um, and there's some really interesting uh, there's some really interesting passages about Michael the archangel and how he is uh, like at one point Satan and Michael were kind of battling over the body of Moses when he died and they it's like why would they why would satan want his body and you you might you might look at it as like maybe that he wanted to use or to prevent him from coming back because in in the revelation Moses and Elijah do come back as the two witnesses um but Michael he's the war archangel um you even see i think the i think uh I don't remember where it was at. It might be in Daniel, but he, he, uh, at one point he was called forth. Like he was supposed to go help Daniel. I think it was. And he showed up to Daniel and he's like, sorry, I was withheld by the prince of, um, I forgot what uh, Syria or something like that. Like I was like, I was withheld by the, that prince for like several days. So, it kind of sounds like maybe there was a an angelic prince that's over this rule on the earth for Syria or whatever it was. And through angelic battle, somehow it's like power versus power. And one has to overcome the other somehow in some capacity. Not, not necessarily kills one, in, one another because they can't die and you'll see that they can inherit death though. Um, I'm just going to go through this real quick. There's also Gabriel, uh, the mighty one of God. Uh, we usually see him as a messenger archangel. Um, he shows up to, uh, to Daniel and it might've even been Daniel that was withheld by the prince. Not, not Michael. I, I would have to look into that again, but he does show up in, uh, in Daniel as well. Um, and he shows up to Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus and delivers that message um, that Jesus is going to be born and stuff like that. So we see him as a messenger. Um, and those, those are the, uh, the two named archangels that we know of. Um, there are extra biblical texts that name others. We're not sure 100% if they are angels or not, but those would be like, uh, I think of like Uriel. Yeah, I think Uriel was, one. was the one that came to mind. Yeah, that's the only one I can ever remember. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> oh, and uh, Lucifer, obviously. That's one of the other named angels. He was a cherub. Um, his name means light bearer. Um, usually we see him in... We see him as the serpent in the garden. He's named the enemy. Uh, we even see him be described as Leviathan. Um, we, it describes that beast, that that dragon, if you will. Um, but uh, going back to that cow thing, that cattle, that calf thing, there's also uh, interesting verbiage in Genesis when it says he will be cursed above all cattle. Why cattle specifically? Just one of those other things that makes me wonder, like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and there's other named 
types of angels. There's watchers, which the book of Enoch, which is the extra biblical text, has a lot to say on the watchers for some reason. Um, and there's also ones that are called holy ones. Angels are also referred as stars or the elect. And we also see some that are referred to as beasts. So, and ministering spirits as well. Um, and that kind of goes into their duties in the tribulation, uh, ministering to the nation of Israel. Uh, normally, the angels are there to perform God's will, um, to protect Israel. Even some duties, uh, are, you could describe them as like reapers, like they'll, they'll take up uh, Israel and move them uh, in, in the time to come. But one part that I think a lot of the, a lot of people that go like study angelic activity and stuff always, they, they always love to study these guys. And I think that's because there's more quote unquote evidence of them everywhere, especially in the Bible. And that's the fallen angels. The, the, uh, the Bible describes them as the ones that sinned. Um, the, the fallen angels are also called the sons of God in, uh, Genesis. You see them around the flood of Noah and, uh, you'll see them, you know, with throughout the Bible, Sodom and Gomorrah and throughout the lands of, uh, of the promised lands of the promised land. I keep saying lands. I don't know why, um, but you also see them prophesied in times in the times to come in in the tribulation you you'll see fallen angels specifically with their offspring the giants or the nephilim uh and there's so much out there we you know we mentioned nephilim earlier there's like so much intri interest and intrigue into the nephilim like I just watched a video today earlier, um, just because it, was, it showed up on my YouTube feed. It's like, oh yeah, there's the Nephilim again. Um, so many people are obsessed with the Nephilim, um, but we see them, these fallen angels, the ones that sinned. They, in Genesis six, you see they came down to earth, you know, somehow in their physically manifested bodies, and they procreated with human women with the uh with the sons of men or the daughters of men not the sons of men even though they do do that as well uh, not procreate but they do do that as well and and like Sodom and Gomorrah those that's and that's angelic activity there it's not just uh simple man uh like uh, just man like human activity there it, it's angelic activity there as well um but with when the when the angel the fallen angel and the and a woman they procreate that produces giants of course well, I mean on the on the human side that produces giant on the on the angel side it actually somehow they inherit death into themselves so the angels actually die like they actually inherit death and I think that's Psalm eighty two they it says they die like men. So like some kind of transference of DNA or whatever you want, whatever can explain that they inherit death through that. So there are these fallen angels. Uh, Peter talks about them being in chains of darkness. We can talk about uh, Tartaru or Tartarus in the heart of the earth being the abyss where the fallen angels were kept, were put 
in for leaving their first estate, as the Bible calls it. Um, and uh, that, that's kind of like their place in, in the center of the earth, their place in hell for that. And you see Hades and Gehenna uh, on either side of the abyss as well. Um, but like th there's so much intrigue in those fallen, or not in the fallen angels themselves, but in those giants. The, the, the Bible calls them mighty men of renown. And this is, a lot of times this is where, where we would assume that's where all the mythological legends might come from. Um, gods, demigods, uh, and maybe they had a big part in running the earth, uh, running the show back then before the flood. Um, but we see throughout the Bible, they have different names. And I think with these giants and these mighty men of renown, there there might have been like a variation of them because the different names there's the Rephaim which are giants which means giant basically Nephilim means fallen ones um, you see giants around Sodom and Gomorrah uh, some some interesting like Hebrew verbiage calls them the deceased uh, but I think it's translated into like other lords or something like that but you see very interesting ones um, like the Anakim there that means long necked. Um, you see other ones that are translated into like terrible cave dwellers or the powerful or uh, or just even the terrible. I think that would be like the Emons were terrible. Um, and you see them coming out of uh, Bashan, Bashan, uh, like Og. I think that's where Goliath comes from. Everyone knows what Goli who Goliath is. Um, um, Og of Bashan and Og of Ashtaroth. Uh, and that kind of makes me think like, oh, maybe that's the bull of Bashan, like is related to Og. Um, but we see a bunch of those giants and uh, a lot of the people that love to look into this stuff, which I mean, I love looking into this stuff, too. I'm just not I just don't have the time and patience to actually do as much as they do. Um, but you'll see just throughout the world, there's stories of giants you know, old, old artifacts and stories pertaining to giants, just as there is in almost every culture, you'll find a story of the flood. There's also giants involved too. So, um, I mean, you see them in, you know, everywhere, you know, the Odyssey, uh, in, uh, Homer's Odyssey, you'll see like the Cyclops, and most of the time, these giants, even in the Bible, they're disfigured. They have something weird with them. They might have, like, extra toes and fingers or just one eye or, like, like, uh, like the long necks and stuff like that, the Anakims. Um, so just really a bunch of different... Uh, it's almost not really the heavenly realm. That's really the heavenly realm transcribed into the earthly realm. <laughs> so maybe that's a different story. Um, but there's just... There's just a lot to be said for that. And, you know, people can go on for hours about this. Um, I've gone through hours of uh, sermons and studies just on the kings of the earth, these giants as well. So it's fascinating. Um, and I, I hear, I think I see a lot of like people, um, it almost brings up a, like almost a, cons a conspiracy theory mindset when you look at, 
these giants and stuff because like oh they're hiding evidence of these giants and like i saw this thing but like it's scrubbed from the internet and you can't find it anywhere um but there are really interesting things out there it's like makes you scratch your head and it's like wow that's interesting um but a lot of with these like with the this kind of topic it's hard for people even christians to want to want to accept that this is like biblical facts like oh oh yeah uh, these uh these giants on the earth or even wow these angelic beings i don't know i think they're just like all just like oh just uh, vague spirits yeah somewhere like, oh ufos and ghosts no but angels are out there somewhere but like no that's definitely not them maybe even like in the, really high maybe in the outfield yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um like even really high, well-known, um, like Bible apologetics will almost dismiss entirely the thought of like these extraterrestrial uh, like ideas and stuff. Like, no, that's way too dangerous to talk about. We're just going to be comfortable saying Satan is the deceiver and that's it. It's like, okay, but like, how is he deceiving? Oh, he's just, whew, he's getting into our system. And that's like all they want to, that's, they're scared to touch the topic. Um, and, but really, I think a lot of them, especially in the Christian uh, world, like they have their paradigm in one spot and they're not willing to shift it over to see another perspective and paradigm. Um, because it does, like looking at it from a biblical point of view, it sometimes is hard to swallow and it's like I don't want to really think of it like that because that would change everything for me like I don't want to think that um, yeah, so it, it, there's def definitely like a, a paradigm that you have to learn about and almost like uh, shift your paradigm paradigm shift um, over to that way of thinking um, especially when it comes to looking at what the bible says about things uh, your paradigm really has to shift and some people are just stuck uh, i always we always hear it uh, described or in the bible it talks about being uh, basically stuck according to man's tradition um, and tradition is really a, a kind of a a hard thing to get out of especially if you're like trying to show people this kind of stuff, especially in Christendom. Um, like, Hey, this is cool. It's like, no, nope. I'm not going to even think about that because what I was taught and what I, what I was told growing up is this, and I'm not going to even gonna think about that. So it, you just kind of have to be open-minded and allow your paradigm to shift um, a little bit to, so it doesn't seem as fantastical or magical as the Encanto song will say. <laughs> I, I have kids. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't even, I don't even know like, where to go on. We don't talk about angels. Yeah, we don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, my microphone is falling. Um, but there's one other thing that I kind of wanted to touch on really quick about angels is their their future um 
right now we know there's probably warring against the good angels and bad angels basically and what's going to happen to them all we know the angels the devil's going to bring a third of the angels down to the earth in in the ages to come and they're going to be basically kicked out of their seats that they have in the heavenly realm in the universe like among the stars basically um, and we know that the body of Christ is given places and seats in the heavenly places, and we will we will reign and uh, we will reign with Christ from there. So basically, like when you see, I think it's at the midpoint in in the tribulation when angels are kicked out of heaven. That's basically when the body of Christ goes into the heavenlies and takes over those realms and then, or takes over those seats and then the angels are basically stuck to earth. And then there's only one more level to go after that, after it's, this is like the boss level. And then after that, they get cast into the lake of fire. But right now the, the body of Christ is, uh, the Bible talks about how the angels are basically watching us and it even like goes into some specifics about like, Hey, do this because of the angels. Like, why would we do that? Because of the angels, because we're, they're watching us. Um, and they're basically learning about the grace of God through the body of Christ, because this is something they didn't even know about because God kept it hid until he said, Hey, Paul, guess what? Like you're going to be an apostle for this specific thing. And it's all mystery. So I'm going to reveal it to you. And Paul's like, well, this is, this is new. Uh, I don't want you guys to be ignorant of these mysteries, so I'm going to teach you about them. And even Peter's like, what Paul's teaching is like really hard to understand because that's not what we were taught. Um, so it's it, the a lot of people always say like, oh yeah, my guardian angel is watching over me. I don't think that's really applicable these days. Maybe in the tribulation because they will be ministering spirits to Israel, but. Right now, they're real. I think they're really just watching and trying to, uh, trying to see this whole picture of God's grace that's fully dispensed and not just dispensed here and there, but fully dispensed and the long suffering that goes along with that. And uh, in the future, uh, when everything, when the end times come and everything comes to fruition, the body of Christ. The people that are saved in this age are actually going to judge the angels. So we not only get the seats in the heavenlies and a position of power and authority with Christ, but we also we actually act on those and actively judge the angels. And maybe not like, oh yeah, you're good and you're bad, but like, hey, this needs to be done in order to fulfill God's will. Like we'll be the judges for them. Um Instead of, I don't, and I don't even know if angels would be considered judges of men in the past or the future anyways, but yeah, we'll have a position over them. Uh, so if that's hopefully this, the short edition of the spiritual <laughs> and angelic realms for me. So, uh, angel, so there isn't a guardian angel trying to speak to me through the digital clock on my microwave. No, that's probably a fallen angel. In the morning. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a fallen angel. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a wow. it's a very strange 
topic and we can go really in depth if we want to do but i'm not going to unless you had questions or anything you wanted to point out or say about that oh, um i i think you covered it really <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, that's i mean it's really interesting stuff really interesting ideas stuff that you know it, it, it surprises me at like the 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 detail of it like how short and how tall they are and you know all that it's yeah. it's pretty interesting um mm-hmm. yeah i mean i didn't even go into some of the other physical descriptions of them but um i mean it's not i i kind of touched on them with like light and lightning and everything but yeah so i guess there's a little bit a little bit of uh similarities uh actually in from your christian standpoint and with buddhism oh let me say say, let me say this real quick like not all christianity will like come to this detail or like believe on this level of angels especially when you get over to the more catholic um like the uh, the Catholic ideas. Um, I mean, they almost worship angels, which an angel specifically in the Bible said, don't worship me. Like you're supposed to worship God. Um, so yeah, not like you won't find every Christian out there believing or thinking this along the same lines. That's why I said you're Christian. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, and because in Buddhism, in like the, traditional framework of existence of the different levels of some of samsara the cycle of suffering um there are kind of different levels and uh you know hell realm animals ghosts which i touched on last episode and human level and then and then above that are like on a kind of hierarchy of like suffering, I guess hmm. above humans, the human realm are realms of, of what you could in modern vernacular call angels. Um, sometimes they're referred to as God realms. I really don't ever hear them called angel realms, but you probably could. Um, hmm they're usually referred to as devas as the devo realm devas are the 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 gods um which are not at all viewed in buddhism as any even like polytheistic religions would view like gods oh you know they're they're entities or forces behind make maybe creative forces behind aspects of nature in, in Buddhism, there's a little bit of, you know, there might be tree spirits or something. Um, but these these devas, these gods are not ever really on a, on a level of being considered like creators. That's um, an interesting just... point because I was just thinking, oh, yeah, the Bible does refer to angels as gods as well. But like it's not. Oh, yeah. Like, and, you know, you can, I like, oh. 
you're a monotheistic. You only believe in one God. Well, yeah, but I also believe there are other gods too. But it's like they're not on the, they're not, they don't have the nature of the creator, Jehovah God, Jesus. Um, but yeah, that's a, that, that's an interesting point because they are called gods in the Bible as well. Um, mm. Yeah. Huh. And so, so I, I've talked about the different realms in Buddhism, like five or six, but there's actually technically 31 realms. Um, and a lot of them are Deva realms. I mean, it kind of gets like weird how specific these, uh, these realms are but uh i mean there's there's several uh devil realms that are kind of they're they're i from what i understand they are thought to be like physical realms um and kind of above that you get to like higher and higher like I don't know. They sometimes they're called like f- finer material realms, and at the very top are like are immaterial realms where uh, beings are beings don't have a physical body; they're just like all mind. Um, and those realms are usually uh, they're like the realms of infinite space and realm of infinite consciousness and um but so these deva realms uh and there's also you also see brahma uh brahma come up in some of these deva realms and in one of the realms is a uh, is where the most notable i think uh deva you would see is the the great brahma who is said to be a a deva who whose delusions lead him to think he's like the creator of the universe um but it's interesting when you look at like the breakdown of these realms because there are also <clears throat> Let me backtrack a little because I don't want to jump into it a little like too without explanation. Um, So (laughs) when you're looking at the path of enlightenment um, and this is kind of what I originally wanted to really focus on because it's like angels like there's angels in Buddhism, you know, kind of, but they're very not that important. Like we don't care how tall they are or whatever. Um, but I was thinking, like, what would be a good, a, a good comparison, I guess. And I started thinking about, like, the classical ideas of what, like, the Western world thinks of as angels. All those misconceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, when, if you do, if, if a good person dies, they become an angel. <clears throat> and in, in, in your Christianity, no. But in Buddhism, it's kind of, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, because the framework of samsara isn't trying to explain how the universe 
looks like. It just explains how the universe kind of works. So, karma or karma, the the laws of cause and effect. Like, if you generate good karma, like you will tend toward these deva realms in a, in a, in another life. Um, just as if you generate negative karma, you start tending towards animals or ghosts or hell realms. Um, hmm. And a lot of the Buddhist teachings to the lay people of his time, because <clears throat> because the path to enlightenment is what is referred to as a gradual path. So there's like some of the really, you know, starter lessons that he gave the the lay people was how to be born into a better realm. Um, not that that's the end goal, but that is that can be a goal, maybe even a stepping stone. And you really see this kind of played out to fruition when you look at the four stages of enlightenment. Um, there's like the stream enterer who is classically said to, you know, once you enter the stream to enlightenment, you will maybe be born like seven times tops uh, before reaching enlightenment. And then you have the once returner who will be reborn into the human realm at least once. But, you know, probably not just that one time, but only once in the human realm. And then, so the question is, where are, where's the once returner reborn after that? And the question arises when you look at the third stage, the non-returner, who's never going to return to the human realm. But but they still have a few more rebirths to go. So where are they? Where do they go? Um, and the answer is that in this framework, there's the, there are these Deva realms that are usually called the pure abodes. And they're like, I think there's five of them. And it's usually said that the the once returner and the non-returner and the stream enterer eventually will also be born into these pure abodes where from my understanding it's a place that only once returners and non-returners get born into no one else gets reborn into these realms and there you can practice like perfect dhamma practice um until you know all the other fetters uh keeping you in samsara are released um and the fetters are actually a a, a good uh thing to touch on so to would, kind of give so would like like ascending into these higher planes like help help you like focus more on gaining enlightenment so from my understanding, being reborn into the pure abodes, I think will, um, because they are said to be, from my understanding, like a place of where, like, like you don't have what we all like experience in in this realm, you know, of existence, which hmm. is you know, craving aversion 
like so many trappings that keep us tied into samsara but so maybe like so would it be like kind of reasonable to like try to attain rebirth into that realm in order to further your um and like to get to enlightenment instead of like trying to reach it here or i mean yeah i mean there's actually whole schools of buddhism like the pure land buddhism which part of their like approach is that it's impossible to gain enlightenment in the human form you have Mm. to first get to these pure lands these pure abodes and then from there you can like perfect your practice and fully relinquish all fetters until you are liberated um but other schools are like nah it's possible here too um but i'm just gonna run real quick through the list of the 10 fetters and that kind of it kind of explains how the the four stages of enlightenment works as well so there's like self-identity or like you know like a belief in personality um there's doubt attachment to rules and rituals uh sense craving ill will craving for material existence craving for immaterial existence conceit restlessness and ignorance and so i touched on the stream enterer um and the once returner so it's said that the stream enterer and once returner both have have let go of i think it's the three first fetters so the sense of self or the belief in personality doubt and attachment to rituals the and the only difference between the two are the once returner has significantly weakened craving, ill will, and delusion to a, a greater degree than the, the stream enterer. And the non returners, who are never going to be reborn into the human realm, have um, obviously the non returners are the ones reborn into the pure abodes because they're never returning to this realm. Um, They also have weakened or relinquished um, the, the lower five fetters. So uh, craving for, for material form, non-material form, uh, conceit, restlessness and ignorance, which from my, if I'm doing my math, right, only leaves, craving and ill will which makes sense as to why those would be the last remaining ones because that they are said to be the the source of ignorance of delusion and Hmm. subsequently suffering but um and the fourth stage of enlightenment is the Arahant, who is an enlightened person who has destroyed all fetters and will never return to any plane of existence after this life. But, um, but yeah, so the non-returner and the once-returner and the stream-enter will be reborn into an angelic realm, the deva realms of the pure abodes. Um, there are many more different deva realms that are not the pure abodes and it's important to remember that like 
it's it's not at all really the same as like a maybe a monotheistic idea of being you know of being like after death going becoming an angel um because in buddhism no realm of existence is permanent so you are reborn as a deva great it's a life of bliss that might last for millions of eons but you will still die and usually you're reborn into a deva realm because of great great positive merit that you've created that you've cultivated good karma but you're kind of burning it all up in the deva realm and so when you run out you are subject to falling back into a lower a lower state um and you know one begs the question like this is this is pretty pretty weird pretty uh kind of out there and esoteric as far as like most of the other teachings of buddhism and i really had to fall back onto the last episode with the ghost realm um because you know it might be a product of the buddha's time that there were all these realms you know described and that's really what they are descriptions they're not like prescriptions of this is what must be believed and this is it was just a way of describing you know how the world might work um inconsequential to the path really um and really like western buddhists would probably say oh yeah it's a great analog for for how the the law of cause and effect of karma might work um to some extent you know good bad you know but um but when you look at like the the poly canon um just like there is a book of ghost stories there is a book of angel stories called <laughs> vimanavatu um and this it reads almost exactly like the Petavatu, the the book of ghost stories, where you might learn about how someone was reborn into the Deva realms or the you know angelic mansions, um, and what they did to get there. And so, you know, maybe maybe I'm too uh, of a like agnostic Western minded but it's like oh, okay these stories are saying good things will come to good actions um you know be a good person and be reborn into an angelic realm um earn your wings oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like but even the goal of being reborn into a deva realm is pretty short-sighted from like the real goal of practice which is you know liberation from the cyclical repetition of suffering um but it i think it is really interesting how it's described that you know the the stream enters and the ones returners and non-returners have this like almost like a perfected 
place to be born into to like just help you know loosen the last few fetters that are clinging Hmm. yeah when the topic of angels came up i was like you know angels yeah but i almost wanted to like really focus on talking about arahants because to me that's that's the arahant kind of has the same romanticism of like oh i'm gonna become an angel when i die it's oh i'm like a perfected human being who has released all you know all suffering and all causes of suffering and can finally be can finally relinquish uh myself from that cycle Hmm. um and arahants it's just a fancy poly word that means that is synonymous really with a buddha even though we only refer to you know siddhartha gotama as the buddha of this time um arahants are simply an an enlightened ones awakened ones um free from suffering other schools of buddhism that do not strictly adhere to kind of an early buddhist or theravada kind of sense we'll also talk about bodhisattvas and those are i i don't want to say synonymous but they share a lot in common with our our perceptions of maybe kind of of guardian angels because bodhisattvas are enlightened beings who have foregone their own liberation to help all sentient beings and they bodhisattvas are said to exist in one of these deva realms that i mentioned before you know one of the dozen deva realms um before being reborn into their last human form which is the human form that they take to help all sentient beings um so would they know that they're a bodhisattva yeah i think i think they would um yeah would we know if they were that's That's like that's like uh like some people like all this random mysterious biker came through our church and he just sat there and was like wonder if that's an angel (laughs) yeah it's like i wonder you know if they get that from yeah they get that from like the angel unaware kind of like appearing as strangers thing uh, oh yeah uh, from hebrews but yeah it's just uh, my random question for that yeah <laughs> would I they mean, know would we know would they tell that's us that's a good question too like would if yeah like i think you know would we even know if someone was enlightened and a lot of people would say yeah of course um but maybe not i don't i don't honestly think we would because even though a lot of the stories of the buddha it's like they looked upon him as like oh my gosh wow something is special about this guy but there are stories of the buddha where someone comes to a you know one of the monasteries and or maybe the buddha comes through a village and it's like what is this wanderer doing here you know who is this who is this monastic this mendicant you know 
carrying a bowl and going about in his robes like who is this rando and it's like that is and the awakened one and they don't they don't notice they don't realize they just see him as another monk um mm-hmm. and it's happened i think stories within the within the sangha of monastics people you know monastics from another place come and it's like okay you're a monk so what and it's like they don't recognize that um so i don't think we would recognize i think maybe we would recognize an awakened person or a bodhisattva by by we would recognize their actions and their intentions but not their nature i think just like you know people say the dalai lama is um like in the mahayana traditions they say the dalai lama is the incarnation of the bodhisattva uh kuan yin you know uh this bodhisattva of compassion and that's really hard you know for people to like to accept that wow this like this person is a is a bodhisattva this you know this great being um enlightened being but when you look at his actions how he you know first of all how he affected the world positively but also just like how compassionate he is in like every encounter he has and all that like it's because that's what that's what enlightened people are like they're not like glowing and floating in the air they're just nice people you know like to the core um and very superficially but but yeah that, that's very yeah. interesting and then there's a question would we know if we were enlightened <laughs> I, I was wondering that too <laughs> and we would um and but there's a lot of people out there who said who will say i'm enlightened and like it's a pretty safe bet that they're not <laughs> uh, well it's kind of like, like we was like we, we don't know for sure who's saved besides ourselves like only you can know if you're saved but sometimes you can look at someone's like yeah they're definitely not saved <laughs> <laughs> i think the best advice that i've heard is to treat everyone as if they are enlightened or if they as they are a bodhisattva because then your behavior to them can't do you or them any harm you know and Mm. like it's not about oh are like are they actually enlightened i better like if they're not i'm gonna be really mad (laughs) yeah but more like you know what why not right right yeah like like I'm not going to make assumptions about anyone like me if they're bearing the fruit of the seed that they've have okay great like but you know in in Christianity there might be some people that act saved that aren't saved and they just want to act the part so yeah I mean I'm not going to 
I, I, I can't say whether or not someone is or not, but I can definitely look at their lives and see how it might have had an effect on them. And maybe they just are having a bad day or a year or something. Who knows? Yeah, that's, that's a really a good, uh, a really interesting, you know, comment that like, you know, they might act saved, but they're not. And it's like, whether or not they are or aren't, how you treat them won't change that, you know? And the same with someone who's enlightened, you know, like you treating them that they are enlightened or you treating them not like they are not enlightened won't change the fact if they are or not. Right. You know, like they could be, they very well could be and nothing you can do will change that. And like at the end of the day, it's really kind of none of your business if they are or not, because Mm -hmm. in the end, it's not a popularity contest. It's not like, oh man, they really got they really got us good. Yeah. It's you know, the the result will follow whether whether or not we believe them mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. Yeah. I hear this a lot um from my pastor and other preachers, like when you get to heaven you'll be surprised who's there and who's not. Cause like you suspect on like, Oh yeah, me like they're deaf. I'm definitely going to see them and like, definitely not them. But then when you get there, it's like, Oh, huh. Where are they? Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, <clears throat> there's like stories, I think from the Zen tradition where, you know, there's a group of monks and one of them is illiterate, not very bright. Um, and just can't really grasp the, the teachings very well. And everyone's just like, wow, like he's so far away from where we are. And then the teacher will, you know, give them a broom. And it's like, you know what, just, just sweep, sweep up and that, that can be your practice. And so they just sweep. And in the Zen tradition, enlightenment comes in a a lightning flash like just like an instant like almost spontaneously um it's not it's not very gradual it's it just happens when it happens and so this this person's sweeping all of a sudden bam like is enlightened and all the other students are just dumbfounded like oh wow we were really wrong <laughs> <laughs> wow interesting how do they know he was enlightened I don't know. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> it's a story. Like like your question, do would we know? No. <laughs> would we know if we were enlightened? We very much would know. Yeah. But right. Okay, well the, the man, really interesting stuff. I don't think I'm going to I'm not going to drag it on any further cuz I could and I could make this a whole season if I wanted to, but um, we must move on. So any other questions or comments on either end? I don't know. Like in your, in, in your belief, how real are those realms? Just a short answer. You don't have to go too much into it, but um, to you personally, I guess. To me personally, 
the reality of the realms is irrelevant. I guess, yeah, I guess my question is not how real, but it's how real. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I always, I always think about this, like, there's such depth to these stories of ghosts and devas and hell realms and and it's like and a lot of buddhists are like like that's kind of not very buddhist you know especially in like theravada circles or modern western buddhist circles where there's not a huge superstition you know mm-hmm. and it's like how did this like how does this fit in the dhamma and it all it all comes back to the 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 idea of karma of like good deeds don't necessarily get you into a a god realm but they do produce fruits that probably could compare to you know have godly the bliss of a god realm or something okay and vice versa bad bad actions um and thoughts and intentions and stuff could produce fruit that is that might as well be a hell realm <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna call it and uh because we could go on forever but i wanted to bring this up live um just to put the pressure on you we, we're talking about these realms and i want to I want to venture next episode into animals in the animal realm Hmm. because we kind of talked about that. So I'm just going to make a natural transition. Okay. (laughs) Um, If you disagree, our fans will be disappointed because this is live and recorded. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I guess I have no choice. (laughs) It's a good idea. Yeah, um, I do want to mention one one question that uh, our number one fan, Ulyssa, um, posed to me the other day was if the if there are the fallen angels that are in hell in the hell realm, I mean in in their uh, their abyss. Not I'm not trying to use Buddhist terms, the hell realm, <laughs> um, in their abyss. Um, because Peter talked about the fallen ones that were cast into into the uh, chains of darkness, basically. Um, are they able to move in and out of that into the earthly and heavenly realms? Um, and we kind of discussed that off off air, obviously. And no, they can't because they're bound in chains of darkness. Those ones specifically that sinned, the ones that sinned, are bound in chains um and you know people always think there are uh, demons in hell poking you with pitchforks or torturing you but that's not the case they're being tortured themselves they are seeing the torment that was prepared for them so that's another misconception on the other side of that heavenly realm is satan's not down there right now and the 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 fallen angels that are there right now aren't torturing anyone they're they're bound there as well for their judgment and you know they're reserved for judgment in the day of judgment as well 
and they're going to get it probably just as probably worse than anyone else. Like Satan's probably going to get it worse, get a worse, a worse punishment than anyone else. So, um, thanks for submitting that question, Ulyssa. Um, that you describing, like, I don't know why it took me this long to like kind of do this comparison, but the fallen angels had fallen from an angelic state to a hell realm. <laughs> and that's exactly what the devas do too. You know, once your life as a deva is, you know, is, you know, comes to an end, you naturally fall into lower states, maybe even hell realms if you're if the if the karma is, you know, just right. Well, one thing that kind of contrasts that is how the Bible describes that they left their first estate. Um, those mm. angels left their first estate like willingly, like they're like, we're going to, maybe they somehow abandoned their, like their heavenly realm nature to become that physical manifestation on the earth. Um, and that's, and through that relationship, that's how they inherited that death. Like they die like men. And then obviously as judgment was poured out onto the earth by way of flood and they died there, what remained of them, their soul or their spirit went into that abyss. And that was reserved specifically for the angelic, uh, the angelic, uh, punishment, the angelic part of that of hell in the center of the earth. So, um, I mean, definitely like leaving their first estate, you know, they, you do see a downward trend with those, uh, fallen angels and with the angels that are going to be judged in the future too, because they, they were cast out of their seats in the third heaven. Now they're, now they're dwelling in the second and the first heaven. And they're, eventually they're going to just be bound to the first heaven and then into hell and pour down into the lake of fire after that. So it just is a downward progression. <laughs> and you kind of see that reverse with mankind. Like we're, our souls are destined for hell, but um, as we get saved, we see a, a, an upward trend, a heavenly, a heavenly hope and a heavenly promise uh, as we get out of that. And, you know, we we're still our flesh nature is still bound by sin, but we will see freedom from the sin nature as we get our new bodies and uh, dwell in the, the heavenlies from there. So it's kind of different charts going up and down, different trends. <laughs> yeah. But j guys, um, just like Ulyssa reach out to us let us know what you think um, if you want to follow up on this topic we will have another part if you guys want a, more discussion we want to hear from you if you want to hear from us um, and uh don't think we won't come back to this topic <laughs> we will and i will be willing <laughs> but uh, yeah baptistandbuddhists at gmail.com hit us up you can hit our dms our inboxes and our messages or whatever on instagram facebook youtube and twitter all that play all those places leave comments to public comments um just 
Don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> make make memes of us. Memes? I know that's memes, really uncool to good. say. <laughs> yeah, make us a meme. Vi- make us go viral. No, I'm kidding. Please. <laughs> <laughs> and you never know. Maybe you'll get uh, some cool stuff from us or something eventually. But you got to get in there. You got to. Please. No. <laughs> Yeah, we need some Baptist and Buddhist swag. Yes, we do. Desperately. Uh, a so, guys, and send us some. t shirt. Send <laughs> us some. Just kidding. <laughs> send us Baptist and Buddhist swag. <laughs> we give you permission to use our logo. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, I think that will do it for this episode. Um, man, good stuff. So interesting from both angles. Um, and the comparison, I thought there was going to be less, but there are quite a, there is, there's quite a few comparisons, uh, yeah. uh, that can be made. So that was really cool. That was really cool to see. Um, so I guess until next time, guys, um, do what you do. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say, but right now you have been listening to the Baptist and the Buddhist with Mark and Brian, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.